let us look at this portion of scripture that we're going to be going over. I have a, a title for my study today, and that title is Overcoming Fear. See, sometimes the Lord will allow me to just go through something that requires me to just dive in to a, a particular theme or a particular portion of scripture. And that theme for me is overcoming fear right now. And, and to be quite transparent with you guys, I've seen through my Christian walk a struggle with fear in my life. I've seen that sometimes uh, I can act out in fear or allow fear to keep me from doing that which God has called me to do. And I, I'm thinking of uh, my first experiences with fear when I, when I was a, a child. And w w maybe you guys have those, m those scary things that haunted you as a kid. My embarrassment phobia as a kid was actually E.T. He was a little alien to me. He, he just was super weird and creepy and scary. And I had a phobia of him. I would have nightmares where he was tickling me. At not like, and, and there'd be a, millions of them like chasing me. And if you ever experience in a dream, you can't run fast. You're just like, no, trying to get away. And, uh, you know, we have these phobias. But even back before that, when we're little children, when we're infants, we were afraid probably of what was unknown to us when we were first born, when we come out of, uh, out of our mothers and all of a sudden light and voices and sound and people touching us and the baby just crying like, what is going on? What is happening here? Unfamiliar faces, and then as you mature, and that little baby is now a toddler, if they see an unfamiliar face, maybe the first time they see an old face, they're like, oh my gosh, it's scary. And, and there's fear of the unknown at that point. Uh, one of my earliest memories of, of something like a, a fearful moment when I was a, a very young person was I remember going to go visit one of my relatives in the hospital. My parents took us, and I very briefly remember just moments where we went to go visit this relative and she had a roommate there next to her which it was an old folks home and I just remember there was a, a curtain a sheet between us and, and the lady next to us and this lady was making the most terrible crying and like like she was dying noises she was like I'm not actually I'm not gonna do it said it might be weird but she was the older lady crying out uh, and not necessarily just like she was it was, it was creepy. I can't even describe it. Uh, but I remember just as a little child being like, like, mom, what's like, what is that? Like, what's happening? And I began to experience fear of, of things I, I didn't quite understand. I actually, too, then I, as I, I got a little bit older, uh, I became very fearful of the dark. Um, don't ask my parents or my siblings how fearful I got of the dark because it, it went to extremes of, man, I was just so scared of, of being alone in the dark. I remember actually, because I watched The Twilight Zone as a little kid, it was reruns, I'm not that old, but I watched The Twilight Zone, and I was afraid that I would literally walk into, because they would say in the beginning, like, maybe you stepped into The Twilight Zone, and I was afraid that one day I would open a door and not realize that I was walking into The Twilight Zone, and so I was just sometimes fearful, like, maybe I did it, I walked into The Twilight Zone. And one particular trip, a uh, family vacation, we went to Mammoth. And I remember uh, I went to go use, and they had a rec room. It was a, it was a church retreat, a family retreat. And we were meeting in the rec room, and then I had to go to the, use the restroom. So I went to go use the restroom, and I didn't realize, I walk into the restroom, the light's on, but I didn't realize the light was on a little timer switch. 
And so I go to use the restroom and suddenly the lights go out on me. And I just stop right in the middle of what I'm doing because I'm like, oh my gosh, like the lights, somebody like a monster turned off the lights or something. And, and, I, and I make my way back to the door, which I came from. And I begin to, to like walk in the dark and I see a kind of a, a vent on the bottom of, of the floor with some light coming out of it. And I'm in my mind thinking, there's the door. That's where I came in from. So I, like, I'm like, okay, stay calm, stay calm, walk to the door. And I start feeling around for the doorknob, but there's no doorknob anymore. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, the door was here. The doorknob is gone now. I've entered the twilight zone. I'm trapped in this dark place. And I start screaming. I, I start going, dad. I start banging on the door, dad, dad. And all of a sudden, my dad opens the door, but it's to the left of me. It wasn't even where I was like looking for it. And he's like, what's wrong? And I was just like, I was like, oh, I thought like I was locked out. I, I didn't know what was happening. And so I had this fear of the dark growing up. But I mean, now uh, I don't sleep with the nightlight anymore. In fact, I have to sleep in total pitch black. Otherwise, it's like I can't sleep. Um, I promise. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not afraid anymore of the dark. But fear is different than pain, isn't it? It's different than pain. Sometimes we, we mix the two together. Because as a child, perhaps we were not afraid to climb the couch uh, as my niece Eliana was the other day. She's not afraid to climb the top of the couch, right? Uh, but then if, if as a little kid we ever experienced jumping off the couch and falling and, and getting hurt, then all of a sudden being afraid to climb to the top of the couch might be something that keeps us safe. So maybe next time we're not going to go to that unsafe point. And in that sense, the fear, it actually it, it can be helpful and become rational. Uh, because that... Fear can turn into experience and wisdom in our life. So there's different kind of areas when we're talking about the topic of fear. See, if I'm walking at a job site, my secular job, and I see somebody fall through the ceiling tiles, it'd be foolish for me to be like, ah, he fell, I'm not scared though, and just go walking in the same area that he walked in and fall right through the ceiling tile. Because I could get hurt. It's a rational fear. It's healthy. It's good for us. But there's a difference between fears and phobias, right? See, phobias are irrational. Phobia is when it interferes with our ability to maintain and function in a consistent quality of life. Now, phobia, such as the fear of heights, which is acrophobia, there's fears of enclosed spaces, which is claustrophobia. I know people in this room who have that fear. And there's also fear of, of spiders, uh, arachnophobia. Also, people of our church who have arachnophobia. <laughs> uh, she's giving me this stare. Uh, if I was afraid uh, of heights, however, let's say I had a, a phobia of heights, and I told my boss, look, I'm not going to go to work because I'm scared to climb ladders. That would, at that point, for me, myself, become irrational and because I, I need to be able to provide. So I have to take in my fears and look at them rationally. Now, there is another type of fear that we are to have, and that is the fear towards God. And this uh, is a fear. It's not the same type of fear, though. When you look at the word for it, this type of fear, it, it's based in reverence 
and respect and awe. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, we're going to talk just briefly about this type of fear. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's beautiful. You see, when you are respectful to the Lord and his holiness, it leads us to do wise things in our life. And then again, in Proverbs 14, verse 27, it says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. And most importantly, I I think when the psalmist and the, the, when the proverb writers are going through this and writing this down, they're talking about the snares of eternal death. That the fears of the Lord turn a person away from that which destroys eternally, which is sin in our life. And, and that is, we could dive into a whole, gosh, conference about the fear of the Lord. We, we could have studies and studies about the fear of the Lord. But in particular, today, this morning, there, the, the fear that I, I felt led for us to go and dive into and, and discover is the one that brings torment. To learn how to deal with this, and that's why I titled the study Overcoming Fear. And this type of fear is that fear that brings torment. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we read, There is no fear in love. The verse is up there on the board for you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. See, there's no fear in love. And we know God is love, but the fear that it's talking about here is that type of fear that brings torment in our life. The word in this verse here, fear. It's the Greek word phobos, P-H-O-B-O-S, phobos, which we can see that's where we get our word phobia from. And what it means, literally, it's, it's a dread and terror, alarm or fright. This is the type of fear that Webster defines as an unpleasant and strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. It's an anxious concern. And we experience this type of fear in our life, don't we? Now, I wanted to just kind of dive in a little bit too on what what do doctors say that fear is? I, I, I brought up a definition from the Northwestern Medicine. And they say that fear is experienced in your mind. But it triggers a strong physical reaction in your body as soon as you recognize fear. Your amygdala which is the small organ in the middle of your brain, it goes to work. And it alerts your nervous system, which sets your body's fear response into motion. So stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released when fear is taking place. Your blood pressure and heart rate increases. You start breathing faster. Your blood flow changes. And blood actually flows away from your heart and into your limbs, making it easier for you to either run away or to start throwing punches because that, that's the flight or fight response. And that's what fear does to our bodies. But fear also, it, it can cripple us spiritually, can't it? For when God calls us to do something, we're afraid. Now, when John the Apostle wrote 
in that verse uh, about there is no fear in love, in that portion of scripture, he's writing to the believers his exhortation. It was not to fear the day of judgment that was coming. That's the whole context of when he was talking about fear. He didn't want believers to be afraid of the judgment of God. And that's something that we're secure in. That as believers, we are saved. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, I'm going to cover this little section again. He says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So the the basis right here of that torment is the torment of the judgment to come. But we are saved by grace through Jesus Christ where we don't have to be afraid of that. And the whole idea that he first loved us. It's beautiful. He loved us while we were sinners. So before we became Christians, before we gave our life to Christ, Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. And John, he wrote this to encourage us that since God loves us, we don't need to fear judgment. Remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, amen? And it's a unique how the antidote for fear when we are facing fear, according to John, the antidote for fear is love. It's not courage. It's not boldness. It's love. And that love is that God type of love. So I wanted to look at two portions of scripture this morning where they deal with fear in the Bible. So without further ado, turn to Mark's gospel chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 35 through verses 41. And there was two memories uh, as I was studying this morning that really came to my mind. And it was the memories of the disciples going through the storms with Jesus. One account, they go through a storm with him where he's on the boat with them. And then another account, they go through a storm and Jesus is not on the boat with them. So let's see in Mark's gospel Chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. It says, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Okay, so when Jesus gives this command right here, when he's saying to his disciples, we're going to go to the other side, know this, when Jesus says something, that he is able to accomplish it. Because we know this, and I say this all the time, you guys hear me say this, Where God guides, God what? Provides. Amen. Where God guides, God provides. And since Jesus is guiding his disciples over to the other side, he will provide a way to the other side. Which leads me to my first point this morning. Of how do we overcome fear? Point number one, stand on God's word. And I like to use the phrase stand on God's word rather than hold on to God's word because if you're holding on to God's word, then that's showing that it's your strength hanging on to the the little truth, which is powerful that you know. But if we stand on God's word, it's not our strength. 
It reminds us it isn't our strength, it's God's strength that we stand on. And we do stand on God's word because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Continuing in those verses, it says in verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So now picture this. There, there is a Sea of Galilee there in Israel. And it's, it's a quite a big lake really is what it is. It's not as giant as a sea as we normally think of the word sea, but it's a very vast lake. And it's located in this portion of Israel, right where in this spot where it gets high temperature winds from one part of it. And then from the opposite side, it gets these low temperature winds coming in. And when those two temperature winds meet together, it causes a storm very quickly in just the, the way that the lake is shaped. Now, they're with Jesus going through this boat ride and all of a sudden the waves start to fill the boat. And I don't know if you've ever been in, in fear of your life for drowning, but the fear of drowning is it's quite terrifying. If you ever experience being out when the waves are tossing you and you're trying to get up to the top I can imagine as the disciples are there and the boat is getting filled with water, fear just beginning to build up in them. They're afraid for their life. And in the moment, it happened so fast where they were one moment with Jesus, hearing the word from him. He was teaching them. They get on the boat. They're going to the other side and all of a sudden the storm kicks up violently. And they're contemplating how they're going to survive this. And doesn't life just throw cur curveballs at us sometimes? Where one moment, things are going great, and you got high expectations, and life is good, and all of a sudden that curveball comes, and you're just like, wow, I was not expecting this. I was not prepared for this trial in my life. Now, I get tired of this topic that I'm about to talk about, but I feel it's, it's fitting for me and for us this morning, when we're thinking about fear. And that's the topic of when COVID first hit us. If you could go back in your mind, when, when we first heard about COVID and, and what was happening here in the United States and in California and with our, our friends, our family members, it, it was something we'd never experienced before. That first week when quarantine became full effect, I, I've, me and Lisette had only been dating for, for a few months at the time. And I remember all the non-essential businesses shut down. And then quarantine, everyone had to just basically, we were ordered to stay at home. I remember on a, a particular weekend, it was raining. I think it was the first weekend when all the stores were, were shut down. And it was a little bit drizzling. And me and Lisette, we had to go into uh, Stater Brothers just to get a, a few things. And it was like the shelves were empty and people were just quiet and no one was like looked happy. It was, and it was, I was just like looking around. And I was like, babe, this is intense right now. Like what is going on? Like Jesus is coming like today, huh? <laughs> like it was, it was like very serious. Just the, the feeling that you could just feel from everyone. And uh, I remember even they, they were going to shut down our favorite movie theater. Um, 
So we, we found out like, hey, this is the last day they're going to be open. We're like, we got to go see a movie now. <laughs> so we went to go watch a movie like before they shut it down. And we did. And, and then I remember, and I have to admit that it got me, the, the, the whole fear thing. One day in particular, I went to the gas station. I was still going to work. And I, I remember actually on my way driving on the freeways, everything was empty. And I was like, I felt like I was driving into like a zombie apocalypse or something. I was like, where is everyone? All the freeways were empty, which I was kind of happy because I was just flying down the 60, like, uh, of course, the speed limit. <clears throat> and then, and then I, I needed to get gas. And this is where the fear kind of like, I just, I never experienced this type of fear where I started hearing, oh, like, yeah, it's on the gas pumps. It's in the gas station, the COVID. It's like, it's like this entity. And I walked inside of a gas station and I pump gas and then I go, I, I, I pay with the card and they asked me for me to sign it. And I remember I'll, the, there was like the public pen that was right there. And I was just like, can you sign it for me? And the lady was like, no, I cannot sign, I'm, I, I cannot sign it for you. And I was like, I, I don't want to use the pen. Can you just sign it for me? And all of a sudden, there was like this little situation arising between me and this cash register. <laughs> and I was like, you can't, I'm, I give you permission. You could sign it. And she's like, no, either what, you, you can't get gas or you have to sign it. And, uh, and then I was like, well, I, saw, I noticed she had a pen in her pocket. And I was like, well, can I borrow your pen? And she was like, yeah, here. And she took the pen, I signed it, and I walked out. And then as I was driving away, I was like, what's happening to me? <laughs> and I, I, the fear had gripped me in that moment. And, man, I'm, I'm glad. I, I really am. I think throughout COVID, I realized, like, okay, like, God's got me. It was some things we had to learn. But it's crazy how our nation turned into civil unrest. And then right in the middle of, of all that fear, we, we heard about George Floyd being murdered and then riots and then more civil unrest. And then it was just like the world was on fire. Uh, and it almost feels like today we kind of forgot how crazy things were a year ago. I remember we had to shut down the church plant that we started in uh, Glendora, the, the youth center. We started it January 2020 for three months. Had to shut it down. And there was panic. And I really, I know that the Lord allowed the world to go through that. But I also know that specifically the church was tested. That the church was tested in their faith. And what's interesting is that some of the churches that they didn't shut their doors for so long... Like I know like Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano and Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills and, and even Golden Springs, the churches that kept their doors open, they multiplied in numbers. And the ones that shut down, some of them never opened back up. And that was because fear. It gripped, and I'm not gonna say for every pastor who shut his doors that it was fear, but I know for sure that there had to be fear in people's lives and we saw churches close down. Now, these disciples, getting back to our, our, our text, what, what they're going through right now, it was a fearful event. The storm of life is coming on, on them. They're going to drown. They, they're, they're thinking they're going to drown, I should say. And again, in verse 38, it says, But he, that's Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? So the first thing I notice is during the storm, what is Jesus doing? He's resting, he's sleeping. So this leads me to my second point. Point number two, be still and know Jesus. Be still and know Jesus. You see, if you read the chapter, you'll notice that Jesus that same day was teaching the multitudes. And he had many lessons and many parables to teach the multitudes and the disciples that same day. So teaching can be physically exhausting. And Jesus, remember, he was 100% human and also 100% God. So his body went through exhaustion. And there'd be times in Jesus's ministry where he would become tired and would go alone to be renewed and pray. Now, here is Jesus after a long day of ministry and he was doing his father's will. He gets on the boat. He tells his disciples, we're going to go to the other side. And he says, you know what? Now is my time to rest. And the storm rises and the storm does not wake up Jesus. Jesus is completely trusting in his father's love and his father's plan. And Jesus is regaining strength through the craziest storm knowing that he has more work to do when he gets to the other side of the lake, the other side of the sea. So I have this verse for us today. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And that's a word for us right there. We get sometimes fearful and we start acting in fear and we start doing the wrong things because we're acting in fear. We're not thinking straight. Because fearful action is often wrong action. I'll say that again. Fearful action is often wrong action. See, the waves and the waters, they didn't wake Jesus up. Who woke Jesus up? The panicked disciples. And they, when they come to him, they, they put a charge against him. They don't just say, wake up Jesus and save us. They say, wake up, don't you care? Of all the people in the world, who cares the most? (laughs) Jesus. They laid this charge on him. Don't you care? We're going to die? Of course Jesus cares for them. And they didn't trust the call that Jesus gave them. And they didn't trust the mission that Jesus had as Messiah. See, their fear was leading them to act poorly towards Christ. And I have another verse for us. When, whenever we begin to see ourselves acting out of touch with the Lord, we're acting out of tune with the Lord, we're taking steps that we shouldn't take, we're working towards something that we shouldn't work for. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Because we're worrying. He said, therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, don't let let worry take over in your life. 
But seek first the kingdom of God. He's going to add all these things that we're praying about to us when they're in his will. And that encourages me as my wife and I right now. I almost can feel as I'm saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? I'm almost like, and where are we going to live? Because right now my wife and I, we're, we're praying about that heavily right now. But we can't let the worry take over. Continuing on in Mark's gospel in verse 39, it says, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So Jesus, he's awoken by his crazy disciples. He wakes up and he simply speaks and immediately the trial is over. The wind stops, the waves stop. See, I see God here. Jesus, he's sovereign over the, the wind and the waves. He, Jesus is sovereign over the storms of life. And if he wants us to go through a storm, it's because he's working it together for our good. Jesus is sovereign over the trials of life that he wants us to go through. So sometimes we try to get away from what Jesus wants for us. We don't like being on the operating table per se. Jesus is allowing these trials in our life to mold and shape us and we try to run away from them. But if God wants a trial to even end our lives, then God's there. And if God wants a trial in our life to end, he will end it. See, there's nothing too hard for him. It is through Jesus that we have peace that goes beyond understanding. And this is why he said in verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Which leads me to the third point of my study this morning. Surrender to Jesus's will. You see, the failure in their faith brought fear. They were lacking in their faith, so fear took over. Now, before I became a Christian, and this is where I kind of felt led to even go into this topic of study today, the topic of fear. Before I became a Christian, I experienced a certain phenomena known as sleep paralysis. I, I was taking drugs and doing all type of hallucinogenics and I was really entering into spiritual realms that I shouldn't have been entering into. And part of that was included night terrors, uh, demonic oppression, not possession, but demonic oppression. And like I said, sleep paralysis. I would see shadows in my room and such. And, and I had no way to combat it at that point in my life. I had no relationship with Christ. And then after I got saved and received Jesus into my life, I wish I could say then all that went away, but it didn't. In fact, the demonic oppression still continued in my life. And there was a point in time when and I, I began to pray and go to pastors and be like, hey, I don't know why this is happening to me at night, but I wake up, can't talk, can't move. I've looked up what it is about sleep paralysis, but I, I feel heavily that there's some sort of demonic activity also happening, bringing terror 
spiritual warfare. And I began to get frustrated with the Lord. I began to ask God, why are you allowing this in my life? Where are you when this is happening? And why, why is it always at three in the morning? I don't know if you guys ever have that three in the morning experience. You're like, why am I up right now, Lord? I was prayed over and, and some pastors were encouraging me. And, and one thing that, I, that, I, that a brother in the Lord said to me and that I've kept with me throughout this time is let's say there's a child sleeping in his bed. And perhaps you've heard me give this illustration before. There's a child who goes to sleep at night and he's nice and safe in his snuggy blanket and he's falling asleep. And all of a sudden, boom, a grenade goes out outside of his window. That child wakes up frightened, scared to death, running for his mom and dad, probably. Like, what's going on? Now, you take that same scenario, except you replace the child with a soldier who's been trained, he's armed, he's ready, ready for warfare, prepared and trained on what to do when crisis strikes. And that soldier, when he gets up, he hears that blast. He responds much differently than a child would. And that happens in our spiritual walk. See, when you guys became Christian, when you guys said, Jesus, I want to follow after you, you signed up for spiritual warfare. And there needs to be training as spiritual soldiers. So when spiritual warfare comes, we don't run away and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to follow Jesus. Or I can't handle these trials anymore. I'm going to turn to my sin. No, we need to be trained to turn to the Lord, to put our eyes on him. Continuing in verse 41, and I'm going to continue this topic, but it says, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea Obey him. See, God is sovereign. Jesus is sovereign over the trials of life, and that was something I had to learn. Jesus is, is sovereign with the disciples over the storm. So in my life, I, I believe that God began to show me in my Christian walk that I was actually empowering these dark things with my fear. My lack of faith in God and what he is doing was turning my mind over to anxiety and depression in my walk. Now, see, as a believer, we have Christ in us. When Christ lives in us, we cannot be possessed by any type of demonic force. But there is demonic oppression. And oftentimes, demonic oppression can lead to depression. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, John writes, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And as the Lord was teaching me how to deal with spiritual warfare, I remember there was a point in time, one night in particular, where I woke up, couldn't move, couldn't speak. I, I would pray sometimes. Sometimes I just call Jesus' name out. But one night in particular, I woke up and I felt like this thing coming on me where I couldn't talk, couldn't speak. Felt like there was just a, an evil presence. And I simply said, you know what? If there's someone or something in here with me right now, 
You're only here because Christ allowed you to be here. So do what you want to do and leave. And all of a sudden, I, I fell asleep. I didn't even realize I fell asleep, but then I woke up in the morning and I was like, what, what happened? And I realized, look, the fear was something that I was allowing. And it was because I, I was fearful. I was lacking that faith in that God was sovereign over the situation. So don't let fear determine the position of your heart. Don't let fear determine the actions of your life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Jesus, acknowledge him, and acknowledge God, and he shall direct your path. So that goes beyond our understanding, meaning there's going to be times in our life where we're scared to do what God has called us to do, but we can't lean on our own mind, our own reasoning, our own logic. So Jesus, he calms the waves. He saves the disciples in this account that we just read. But there's another account that I had you guys turn your bookmarks to, and that's Matthew's gospel. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 14, we're going to look at one more shorter account. We're going to see another point where the disciples went through a storm, and this time Jesus was not in the boat with them. In Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start with verse 22. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now at this point, I'm wondering if the disciples are like, again, he's doing it again. <laughs> or the wind and the waves are starting to build up and Jesus isn't even there with them now. It's a similar scenario. But Jesus, he went alone to pray. And, and I could almost assume and guarantee that Jesus was praying for his disciples because he knew. He knew that what they were going to go through. And you guys know that the Bible teaches that Jesus prays for us even now, that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. See, there's a storm now, another storm taking place in the disciples' life, and then in verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now the fourth watch of the night in that Greek terminology, that's, that's 3 a.m. in the morning. 3 a.m., Lord, what's going on at 3 a.m.? Verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now see, look at these fearful disciples. They don't even recognize Jesus right away. They think it's a ghost. Why? Because of their fear. They've never seen the works of God displayed in such a way. So because they, they see the unknown coming to them, they think it's something fearful. Now, 
There's times that God wants us to do a new work in our life. But we're so afraid when we see the opportunity coming that we think that it's like death coming at us, a ghost coming at us. And that's what they saw, this phantom coming on the water. And in verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. I love this part of this account. You see, the disciples are all scared and then Jesus is telling them, first of all, look, don't be afraid, guys. It's me, I'm coming to you. And then Peter, bold as a lion, says, Jesus, if that is you, call me to come to you. Bid me to come out to you. And, and I love this little illustration here. Because Peter now is faced with taking a step of faith. But first he checks if it's from God. He says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come out to you. And I think sometimes in life, we're just so excited to do something that we think is for the Lord that we forget to pray about it. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. This is for the Lord. But if we would take a step back and pray and say, Jesus, is this something you're calling me to? Now, Peter, faced with this step of faith before him, never in his life has Peter ever walked on water. And he's looking out, and he sees his Jesus walking on the water. I don't think that Peter was 100% certain that when he took a step off the boat, that he was going to just start walking. I think there had to be a little bit of fear. But I think that the love and faith of Jesus was calling out even stronger to him as he's looking at Jesus. And it really wasn't until he began to take that first step on the water that he felt, I could walk on this. And sometimes in life, that's what it is. Sometimes you don't really know until you take that step. I remember there, there were some brothers in the Lord who asked a pastor at my old church, like, hey, how do you know when, when she's the one? Like, how do you know, like, when you're engaged or, or if you're dating that she's going to be the one? And he looked at them and he's like, you don't know till you're on the altar with her. <laughs> he's like, that's when you know. And that's when I found out. I knew, I, I, I felt the Lord was calling me, but it wasn't some, like, Shekinah glory of God just appeared on the set one day and she was, like, shining, like, and just spoke like the Bible to me. It was like a natural, we, we, we met up, we met at a coffee shop and it was cool and she was beautiful and, I, and then I started walking in faith and then God started to show me her character and then God started to reveal things to me that was showing me like, this is a godly woman, this is a good thing. And then on the day that we said our marriage vows, it was like jumping into an ocean, wasn't it? It was like, we're taking a step of faith, God, you're in control. And you guys have those calls and those plans and those adventures that God has for you in your life that sometimes you're not going to know if it's going to work out till you go. And if it fails, it doesn't necessarily mean it didn't work. God is still using that as lessons in our life, that he's allowing things in our life so we can grow and mature as believers. Now, Peter, as he has just this little bit of mustard seed faith to walk out on the water to do something that's impossible, he simply has a desire to go to Jesus and he heard Jesus' call. And that's sometimes all we need, the desire and the call. So in verse 29, 
When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Ah, so what happens? Peter, he gets off the boat. He's walking on the water. He's like, I'm do-. it's like, you're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. A hook quote, if anyone knows that. But he's walking on the water. And he's got his eyes on Jesus, but then he starts to take his eyes off of Jesus and look at the wind. He starts to look at the waves and the water, the deep darkness of the ocean. And he starts to sink. And at this point, we realize, look, if we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto our problems, that's when we start to sink in life. When we put our problems in the view of the sun. Let's say you just take your thumb, right? And you could block the sun with it, right? With your thumb. And your thumb is so much smaller than the sun. A billion times smaller than the sun, maybe, in comparison. But when you get that little problem and it just blocks your your view of God, you can't even see anymore. So my fourth point and my last point of our study today is point four, look and pray to Jesus. See, Peter got his eyes off of Jesus. In Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, this is what we need to do when we come into these fearful situations. We need to pray. We need to have that communication with our Father in heaven. Not to be anxious, but let God know what we're going through and have that thankful heart that he is with us, that he is for us. In the last few verses of that portion of scripture in Matthew, in verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love how when Peter cried out to Jesus, he said such a a, a short and simple prayer. He just said, Lord, save me. He didn't have this long drawn out monologue of what Jesus needed to do for him. He just said, Lord, save me in this. Save me. And then Jesus goes down, grabs him and pulls him out. It says in verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. And with that, we see God is able He's able to pull us up out of the the storms of life. My last verse of this study today from 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You see, fear that brings torment is not from God. And I realize in my life that I have to get back to that. I have to not allow these trials of life to make me fearful. And there's times when I fail, when I have allowed my fears to overtake 
And I see though that God is still merciful, that he is able to give me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's what I, what I want to walk in. So we saw in our study today, look, when it comes to overcoming fear, number one, we stand on God's word. Number two, we can be still and know Jesus. Thirdly, to surrender to Jesus' will if he's allowing something in your life. And fourth and lastly, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's look and pray to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's pray.